I first heard about Walter Bosley when I heard him on Tim Benal's Banal of America, where he talked about his book, Latitude 33, Key to the Kingdom, a book about the very curious uh, esoteric roots of Disneyland, uh, which I found absolutely fascinating. And he's uh, quite a colorful character with a interesting past. He was a, a former AFOSI special agent, uh, which means Air Force Office of Special Investigations. And he was also an FBI counterintelligence specialist, spent time in Afghanistan, as well as um, Iraq. Presently, he's juggling his time uh, between being a private investigator as well as a counter-espionage consultant and doing uh, a feature film and writing a novel and representing an author named Seshari, who has done a, an amazing series of books, um, Wonder, the, Wonder the World books, um, and he's had his own set of uh, very curious paranormal experiences that have uh, colored his life. Um, and he can talk about it much better than I can. Here we go. Audio conversation with Walter Bosley, recorded Friday the 13th. That's right, Friday the 13th, in August of 2010. So how are you doing? Oh, not bad. It's Friday. I've been doing some I, I've actually been uh, um, getting a lot of uh, work done on media development Good. so yeah I'm doing um, I, I have a, uh, a movie from one of my novels adventure novels in development right now and um, you know just uh, the queen of these queen of the Amazon secret of the Amazon queen yeah yeah it's being uh, put together by a company called my way pictures and it's an independent production and um, also the mysterious thing I haven't talked much about, but I will be soon, uh, something I've been investigating for two years that I've written the book with uh, Richard Spence, author of Secret Agent 666. The thing uh, on Aleister Crowley and his, and his, and his uh, or his alleged time or the, uh, with the uh, British Secret Service. Yeah, yeah, that book, that book. And that's uh, Rick is my co-author on, on the new book. That you know I've uh, been working on and uh, investigating for a couple of years, and um, we're I'm supposed to be talking with some movie guys uh, with interest in that. So, and, and that revolves around sort of the investigation of a fatality or a series of fatalities that may have occult uh, right, exactly. uh, underpinnings. Yes, yes, and, and those so all much- take place in California. Yes, they do. Yeah, I'll be revealing the details once we. Uh, um, the agent, the, the guy who's repping the book, he also uh, repped um, Adam Go Rightly and uh, Shadow Over Santa Susana, the mm-hmm. Manson. And uh, he, he's just an amazing guy. He, he, you know, he's kind of a super agent or super rep with, with super, all that. Super, uh, that's not the kind of agent that carries a gun. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I just Literary listened. I just listened to the Don Eckert uh, show just beforehand here, or a couple of the Don Eckert shows where you were on there, and it was very funny. He got all—I could tell—he was getting all excited to talk about you know carrying a gun and stuff. But anyway, go on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, Scott is really uh, wor- working hard at uh, helping Rick and I, you know, put together this package, and um, you know, going to publishers, and, and and you know, there's a couple that are interested, and so we're in the middle of uh, dealing basically with who's going to get it kind of thing and um and uh, it it's just it's it's i can't wait to talk about it 
because there's oh yeah it's because it's, I, I have noticed you have been you have been uh, holding your tongue the, the... oh yeah and it's amazing for me to I, I mean for two years when you know when the book comes out and when I really get into what I experienced as I was writing it um, you know I'll, I'll be interested to see you know how it how it plays because uh, it's been one of the most um, in some ways it's been the most extraordinary you know, two or three years of my life with all the, the little things involved. And uh, certainly the most, um, you know, m- the, the most active period of high strangeness that I have had ever. And I've had some in the past. But um, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to start talking about this book. And uh, we're almost there. We're almost to the point where we can. Well, this is very exciting. Hey, just I'll just um, the, the okay. I don't know if you've listened to any of the downloaded uh, audio things that I've done on my on my uh, blog that and and I'm uh, and I've might have said this in one of the uh, emails, but I feel like I'm a good I feel like I'm a lousy interviewer and a good conversationalist, so I'll just leave it at that. Oh well, hey, you know they bounce out, but hey, you don't do these uh, regularly. I'm honored that you asked me to uh, sit in on one. With yeah, you. yeah, and it's and I'll tell you now. Let me just say that uh, so you were you were on the um. In the room when I had the talk with uh, on uh, Greg Bishop's show, which is going back now uh, a few months. Uh huh. Good. It's so funny because I, I like that two hours just zipped by. I have no idea what I said. Uh, <laughs> I have like, it's like I just remember at the end it was like all of a sudden it was like hey it's over and 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 I heard yeah. Greg say like oh that went really well and I was like it did I well, so um but uh. Yeah, so so the reason I I did get a hold of you is because um I have the Disneyland book which I haven't read all of it I've just been kind of uh, it's funny I just find that like th- trying to read something in a linear fashion on the computer is difficult for me I tend to jump around a lot more than I would if it was a paper book in my in my uh, on on the coffee table um, yeah so I have jumped around to that but I, what I one of the things I have done is listen to your podcasts and your audio interviews which seem to have just kind of in the last six months or so you seem to be all over the place. Um, uh, as far as on Tim Banal and on the Paracast and and uh, Greg's show and the Don Ecker thing and um and a bunch of the stuff you said it, it, like I we could not have more divergent you know life paths I'm, you know I was like mm-hmm. you know I, I was ever the bohemian living in New York City and then I basically dropped out of life to be a ski bum um and haven't given that up in a lot of ways um but I uh so many of the things you say just sort of resonate with me in a in a kind of a uh, a deep level, so that was part of the reason I, I uh, gave you the call. Well, hey, I, I appreciate it. You know, and you know, you mentioned something about the uh, the uh, you know the, the Bohemian uh, life there. Um, you know, people who know me really well. You know, the, the the people that hear me on the shows, they know that I've been a federal agent and done that. And what's interesting is, for example, when I was in Ohio, it was uh, I got my second divorce in conjunction with having to report to Wright Patterson. And you know, there I was. I, w- I was an OSI agent. I was chief of double agent operations. I you know I'd go to work in my suit with my badge and credential, and and you know be Mr. Air Force officer and agent. And um, but uh, when I would go home, off came the suit. And I would drive. I lived in Fairborn, and I would make the little. Uh, I think it was like maybe nine miles or something, if that, over to Yellow Springs um, on on weekends, and go hiking in Clifton Gorge, and and spend you know a good portion of Saturday in the in the used bookstore, in the New Age bookstore, in the gourmet. And it was like a little bohemian enclave in Ohio, you know, next uh, real close to this Air Force base, and and. Um, 
because there's that side of me. You know, I, I have an appreciation for the things that are, you know, uh, just not not what you would expect, I guess, of an Air Force officer and, and a federal agent, you know, in this stuff. And, um, you know, people who know me, um, when they first get to know me, they, sometimes they're surprised at my interests when they compare it to my background because, you know, kind of the assumptions that are made. You know, they just wouldn't think that, you know... Anyway, and um, and yeah, it's very funny when people meet me and realize I lived in New York City and stuff like that. So um, so yeah, living out here is whatever. Life is life is a funny path. And so so you, I'm just gonna let me just ask a question here. This is um sure just out of this whole thing for me for my personal experience blends in and out with the UFO phenomena, and I don't uh-huh. understand how or why. I don't have any memories of like, you know, I've had like Bud Hopkins has like in no uncertain terms, you know, basically told me, you know, that I have a UFO abductee. And then I'm like, ah, I can't go there because I don't have the, you know, any right. of that experience to, to uh, and, uh, but I do have a lot of things that may indicate that. And right. some of them are pretty profound, but, but any, so do you have any, um, there's a blending back and forth between all these phenomena and the UFO phenomena. And do you have, have you ever seen a UFO or do you have any experience? Um, you know, oddly enough, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I too have been told, by someone that I'm definitely an abductee, and they, they connect it to, you know, a particular night in my life, which I have divided my life into. It's kind of like, uh, you know, before and after. There was my life up to that night, and then there was my life since then. And they say this individual insists that I'm an abductee, and like you, I'm just not seeing that. My intuition says, no, no, it, it was not an abduction. I have a theory as to what it was, but as far as seeing UFOs, um, no. I've never had your classic UFO sighting experience. I once saw the um, what uh, was the I believe the F-117 stealth fighter flying uh, before it was revealed to the public. We're talking about probably a year or two, two years before you know the, the, it was officially revealed to the public. And um, at the time I saw the thing, I I knew full well that I was looking at some type of aircraft. Certainly, it was advanced, but um, it, you know, I, I didn't think of it as, you know, the ET-related UFO, the classic UFO experience. So, no. Interestingly enough, out of all the things I have experienced, um, UFO is not one of them. And it's and so I will say that I have seen um, uh, when I was 12 years old, I saw something very dramatic in the nighttime sky. Uh, watched it for maybe less than a minute. I wouldn't say 30 seconds. Hard to know. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, um, it's very interesting because I, I drew a picture of it. Went back then, and mm-hmm. it uh, was sort of a coffee can shaped thing. And just within the last year, I found the picture again and then posted that up on my blog. The, uh, and then redid the illustration, which was very curious to sort mm-hmm. of to, to try to redraw something. Yeah. Um, I'm a much better illustrator now than I was when I was 12. And um, uh, you know, I kind of it's just this funny thing where you have like it feels like you have one chance to do it. Right, you have one chance because then you're going to remember the illustration. You're not yeah. going to remember the actual thing. And uh, so your paranormal experiences. Here, I'm going to read a little quote here. Let me just find it here. I, and this is something that was in the book. And mm-hmm. this is a quote from you. And it says, um, "So you wrote uh, by 1979, I had begun to overtly experience spiritual and psychic phenomena, manifesting mm-hmm. in an intense enlightenment experience, followed mm-hmm. by vivid dreams." Yes. Okay, you gotta, I gotta, you gotta, you gotta 
fill me in on what that actually. What the, I'm reading <laughs> in a lot to that 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 okay. one sentence. Um, that's the event I was just telling you. Was I divide my life into before and after that? It was um, uh, on a Sunday morning in December of 1979. And you would have been quite I, young. Pardon? You would have been quite young. Yeah, I was just 16. I had turned 16 in October. And um, I woke up uh, on that particular morning, and you know, I opened my eyes, and the first thing I did was I, I lifted my hands up, and I looked at my palms, and my first thought was, these hands are not mine. And, um, you know, I'm looking at them, and then I turn, I look at the wall, and I, I'm seeing everything with a texture I'd never seen before. And, uh, I mean, this was something that was, you know, I call it instantaneous because, you know, I went to bed the night before, this uh, teenage kid. Uh, I remember I, I had uh, a Star Trek model I was working on, you know, a little plastic model thing. And So you were working was, on a Star Trek model, like, like the night before this event? Yeah, the night before. It was a uh -huh. little model okay. bridge from the Enterprise. I don't want to read yeah. too much into that, but keep going. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, we don't want to read because, because ironically, I, this experience for me has nothing to do with space or anything to do with aliens or ETs or anything, but it's just I, I was, you know, a big, I was a kid, you know, big Star Trek fan, the original Star Trek, of course, and that was the year that the Star Trek, the motion picture had come out, you know, and stuff, so, you know, I had the model, and but anyway, I say that because I was a typical 16-year-old kid, I was in the Boy Scouts, I was, um, you know, interested in those typical things kids are, and then that next morning, I wake up and, whoa, what's this, you know, whose hands are these, um, I'm walking through the house, I get up, and there's this woman at the stove doing something, and uh, I, I, I know that she's mom, but in my mind, I'm thinking, she's not my mother. She's the mother of this person's body, but she's not my mother. And I see my sisters, and I'm like, yeah, they are the sisters, but they're not my sisters, and, and on and so forth. And then later that night, um, I'm sitting there, the family's watching TV, and I don't know if you remember the old comedy called Soap. Sure, sure, a, yeah, introducing Billy Crystal, yeah. Well, there was the the character Bert at one point. Um, he had had some weird experience and went nuts and uh, thought he was invisible. And I and I laughingly, you know, like to refer to my experience that that first night after this happened. Is sitting there in the living room. I was like Bert on soap. <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> I mean, I knew who they were to the identity associated. And, and I'm describing this in this way for a particular reason. It, I mean, talk about a disassociative complex all of a sudden. But, you know, I had not had, I was not a kid. I've never used drugs. I mean, I've, I've never smoked pot, not once. And um, never, you know, I, I certainly, you know, I've, I've never been, you know, a crazy on alcohol um, and anything like that at all. And uh, up until that point, um, you know, my parents were still married. I, you know, everything seemed normal at home. So there was nothing going on, no traumatic experiences. This was, you know, it, it was suddenly I was aware, intensely aware. And um, what's interesting is, in many ways, the person I am today was the consciousness that woke up that morning in 79. Um, it's, it's like I'm the same person, just, you know, I woke up... Uh, you know, with my my consciousness, not you know, I've learned a lot since then. Of course, it, it's not like I'm you know the same exact guy, but I I don't know. It's it's hard for me to describe. Uh, well, yeah, it, it would be. I mean, just that almost takes the role of the poet to describe something like this because it's, it's well, uh, I 
yeah, and I do I do have a theory as to what happened um, that it, it, it's come to me recently, and I'll consider how I will reveal that theory <laughs> um, while we talk. Okay. It, 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 it kind of explains. Over the years, I tried to figure out just exactly what it was that happened to me, and I considered all sorts of things, and I, I have a current theory um, that seems to fit best and uh, better explains what I just described. But, uh, yes, after that, then um, I just seemed much more aware. I seemed to, you know, have more... I, I started to have, you know, psychic experiences, vivid dreams in which these dreams would then, things in the dream would come to be in my waking real life. And that was, it seemed like the gate was open um, for all sorts of uh, high strangeness. Well, see, that's interesting because I, I, I have sort of a similar experience. And when my experience took place, uh, in the winter of 2006, and um, huh? uh, you know, and it was it was a, the event of a vivid dream, and, and in essence, me saying yes to a project um, that uh, I've talked about that dream and other things. It w- I won't go into it now, but it was um, it was extremely profound, and it was right. um, uh, you know there was all kinds of associated synchronicities, and, and basically the the culmination of the dream was it was just this sort of metaphoric experience in the dream where I was like in essence forced, not forced. I just basically could no longer deny a bunch of life events, and mm-hmm. and and was in a position where I had to deal, and mm-hmm. and it was uh, I had been reading a lot of Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. at that point, and it was um you know, there was sort of a fork in the path and it was like, which, which fork are you going to take? And it was almost like there was a, like, uh, like even more metaphoric than that. It was like, am I going to step off the path? I mean, the path is someone has already trodden there and am I going to jump off the path and go, uh, you know, forge my own path through a dark part of the woods. And, uh, in, in the dream literally had those metaphors in it. And, um, and I said, yes. And, it's been complicated and much more complicated than I ever expected and much more <laughs> bizarre than I ever expected. I kind of had this yeah. preconceived idea. It's like, oh, here's how this is going to play out. It's just going to go like this. I'm going to have some tidy answer and I'm going to proceed along and, and it sure, but boy, won't that be interesting. And, uh, and it hasn't proceeded that way at all. It, oh, has, no. been, it has been significantly more bizarre. <laughs> than, I don't know. Yes. I don't know any other word to use and strangely more like personal. It just seems like, like the, uh, like the, the, the synchronistic fairies out there have been, uh, uh, you know, oh, yeah. they are talking almost like, like the stuff that's gone down. Like I try to explain some stories to folks and they're so rife with, uh, like I almost can't explain them because they just get so convoluted and complicated, but they're all kind of like, that kind of makes sense having experienced it from my end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I take someone very patient to sit there and listen for as long as it takes me to properly explain it, properly explain it. And then it does sort of make some sense to them. But most people don't have that that kind of patience. And I wouldn't want to subject anyone to that. But, uh, yeah, my experiences tend to be um, ah, so weirdly complicated and, and then uh, and then so deeply personal at the same time. You know, people used to and, and, and first my first comment is it, it's. You know, on a practical level, it's really impossible to explain, you know, what you've gone through to somebody who hasn't experienced these things. Now, some people that haven't experienced them are open-minded, so they will listen, but it's still, and I mean on the practical level, 
because um, you can always try, and there's always an exception to every rule. But generally, on a practical level, it's just impossible to explain to people unless they've experienced it. Now, you said something there about how personal they were. When 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 people would say, "Oh, well, you know, it, I, it that was personal to you, you know, your experience." I used to um, react in a way that I thought what they were saying, I, I thought what they were doing was just um, using a nice way to say that. Uh, you're misinterpreting it, or you're crazy. And I thought they were just being nice, and 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 that's how I would react to that. And I would be disappointed and such. And and actually, with the experiences I've had of late, um, I now understand. Yes, indeed, they are personal. It doesn't make them any less real, but they are indeed personal to me. I've been shown things. Things have been brought to me. Things have happened around me that were intended specifically for me. And so now the description, you know, that, oh, it's personal, yeah, absolutely. And um, that has made me become more comfortable with the idea of just not talking about a lot of it publicly because it's I, I used to think how about it you know i, I got to share this i got to find other people to experience this i got to share it so that people know this is going on and now after the last couple of years no i i'm not compelled to share it so much and no not everybody needs to know this stuff now, and in some cases and some people take this wrong and i don't mean it uh, you know in the way they take it but in some cases not everybody deserves to learn it or hear about it. These are things that you're not going to get anything out of it by me just telling you what I experienced. You need to go out and seek yourself and experience it yourself because it, it, it's it's not the same if I, I or you or anyone just says, well, here's what we experienced. And it's it's not the same. Yeah, and one of the things I've been doing is, is – uh... I've been going out and sleeping out under the stars. I live right near Grand Teton National Park, and, and I and I oh uh, nice and uh, and I only do it. It's interesting because I kind of do it from a point of inspiration. I kind of know when it's appropriate to do it, and I kind of know when it's time to do it. And and mm-hmm. I don't push it and don't try to like you know test it or anything like that. But I'll go sleep out under the stars, and I've been taking a um, voice recorder with me, and, mm-hmm. and as I go to bed at night, I'll make a little plea to the universe. I don't know, you know, I mean that can be interpreted as prayer, that could be. In- Sure. It is, you know, but I, you know, I'll speak it right into the voice recorder. I want to declare it out loud. And, and part of the reason I take the voice recorder in case I have a dream, these things used to manifest themselves in the form of dreams. And um, I don't want to say without fail because I've definitely, f- but something will happen. And it's always like some, you know, it's not some secondary thing. It's some tertiary thing sometimes that like right. I would not have expected. Like, you know, what I want is a nice tidy dream. I want some like, you know, answers I want. But what I get is something that's, that, that it's a clue that's even more confusing in a way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, it, um, it, uh, it, 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 and, and it's definitely there. You know, when you, as you, as you were saying that, you know, you, you, you made your appeal to the universe as such. Yeah, some, some call it prayer. Um, I, I think that they are out there and they interact with us if we're willing. Now, some people are afraid of this. And sometimes I am. Well, of course, and and that's not to say there aren't things out there you need to be cautious of. There, there, you know, I I believe in what we would call, you know, good and evil. I, I think there's good. I think there's bad. I think there's entities out there. There's consciousness out there that, um, you know, would mean you harm and do indeed mean us harm. And and you do have to be careful. Um, however, 
I'm not one of those that just because there's a scary element, I'm not going to go there. I mean, you know, look what I've done in my professional life. It, you know, I did did some some time in a, a little bit of time in Iraq. You know, I did a few trips to Afghanistan. I, I had a job where, I mean, for crying out loud, I had to carry a gun. You know, so there in in there's no way in hell I wasn't going to do the job because all the other things I got out of it were worth the risk. And um, it's the same with, with this realm of uh, things we're talking about. It's the rewards are definitely worth, you know, risking going into that territory. I would venture to say that um, part of the so-called risk is somewhat like the old-fashioned here, there be dragons. You know, put that on the map and it'll keep the average common masses away because they're all fearful or superstitious and, and you know they'll follow the rules but let's see let's see which of you have the guts to go where the map says there's dragons and those who go learn there's no more dragons there than there is in our in in what we call our real world or, or our known world and look at the rewards they get um, in in the case literally of history here there be dragons on the map you had uh, civilizations that uh, discovered continents that uh, they kind of kept to themselves. Sure. You know? and they they reaped the benefit of the mineral rewards and the knowledge and such. And um, you know, eventually everybody you know learned about it. But uh, I, that's what I look at. What we're talking about here is um, it's 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 this unexplored territory or unmapped, uncharted. I had an experience. This is going back. Um I wrote about it and drew a little picture on the on the blog with a friend of mine. Her name is Natasha, and it happened in a tent in Colorado just a few months ago. I mean, I sleep in a tent all the time. I don't know how many, collectively, how many years of my life I've spent outside in a tent. I've dealt with cool. bears and, you know, in camp and, you know, grizzly bears, and I've dealt with, oh. you know, oh. moose getting tangled up in the, you know, the strings to my tarp, and I've had, you know, whatever, tarantulas and, the, you know, the whole thing. So, so ah. sleeping outside is like, and, and none of this stuff has ever phased me. Um, right. But um, I woke up. Natasha and I have a story, which I won't. I won't go through all the details. But um, I felt, and Natasha felt, this unimaginable sense of fear that that was just off the charts. I've never ever felt anything like it before or since. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I couldn't. I can't, it's I, the only way I describe it. Both both Natasha and I have talked about it, and and we describe it as synthetic. It almost felt fake. It felt like this this like uh, projected emotion. It didn't feel like, rational. It didn't, and uh, I have no idea what was going on. You like know, maybe late, it was uh, perhaps a, a a beam being aimed at you to make your brain react in this way. Sure, that's as the, the the way that that's as good sort of comic book analogy, which which is the yeah. only thing I can reach for. But the way I perceive it is almost like a being was so close that ah, that the yes. being naturally radiated this kind of. Uh, just the same way that uh, you know a skunk radiates a horrible smell, you know this being, or you know, or like a uh, you know plutonium radiates its own you know, its own toxic nature. But you know something was so close that it just that we perceived it, and it just our bodies reacted at a at a totally chemical and visceral level that that wasn't related to to any sort of pragmatism. Um, and I uh, so a bunch of a few other things happened that night, and leading up to that, there were these funny sort of odd events that led up to the reason we spent the night in the tent. And then I will also add that uh, a friend of mine, she has her own website, and she goes by the name of uh, her pen name is Lucretia Hart, and uh, 
she, I've only talked to her once in my life, and this was well over a year ago, she uh, dialed me up and called me in the middle of the night that night, worried about me. My cell phone was in the car, so I had no idea. But like, uh, so she, and she's a UFO abductee. She has all kinds of straight memories about not retrieved through hypnosis, you know, every classic thing in the in the textbook. But she called that night uh, worried about me. And we'd only talk, spoken once. We've exchanged a bunch of emails. But um, so that was extremely weird for her to say, like, what's going on? I'm worried. And, uh, you know, that occurred that same night that we felt that fear. And uh, and mm-hmm. then it was over. And then once it was over, it was like it just passed. And there was no there was no residual except mm-hmm. for just a curious sensation of like, huh, well, now that's gone. So anyway, I, that was a long winded thing. But he, so here. Um, I met someone at a, at a UFO conference and, and I said, oh, I'm doing research, you know, which is kind of honest. And they're like, oh, what are you researching? And then my response was, um, which was honest. And, and it took me a little while. He asked me and, I, and it kind of stumped me for a second. I said, well, I guess I'm researching myself. And I guess the question I want to ask is so much of looking into this, whether it's deeply personal or whether I'm talking to other people or, or whether I'm just trying to, like, make sense of this very confusing mess of stuff um, – I got to do it from a gut level and not a pragmatic level. And and you, in essence, are a professional investigator or spent mm-hmm. some years of your life doing that. And mm-hmm. much of that had to be from a very pragmatic, just the facts level. Sure. And and how is it, now that you're looking into this avenue, how is it working out? Um, it, what, what's, what's really interesting is um, that the approach... Um, doesn't always work to satisfy others. Um, you, you know, you you would apply the practical, traditional investigative steps or tactics, and you find that the phenomena um, defies what we call logic. Um, so therefore, you know, a lot of people would not or or will not um, accept you know the measurement. If uh, if it defies you know the, the logic that you know they're they're most comfortable with that the majority of people have based what we call practical reality on um, which which is kind of in a way an agreement that uh, here's what we'll accept here's what we won't accept and as an investigator you, you're right it um, you know as a federal agent I I investigated you know fraud issues and in in common things like you know I, I had a a case where somebody you know slipped a uh, a counterfeit bill. Um, they didn't realize they were doing it. You know, they, they got it as change and something else, and you know, it, some mundane things like that. But then I also investigated um, uh, charges of you know cases of espionage and was involved in uh, counter espionage operations and such. And you know, th- those are different in their way. Um, but still, they're very much rooted in the real world. You have a guy who's uh, you know either stealing classified things or you know you think he's going to pass classified things to the bad guys or or the opposition will say um and it's still very much rooted in there is a human being doing a practical down-to-earth thing that they shouldn't be doing and uh, the weirdest that gets is when you get into just you know people's human behaviors well when you start trying to apply or applying um, these traditional investigative techniques to 
you know, extraordinary phenomena or strange reports and things. It, it indeed works uh, very well up to a point because you can, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff and, and, and you can clarify, um, you know, if a witness is, you know, in their excitement or in their, maybe they got a bad grasp of memory, that, you know, for whatever reason they're enhancing uh, their report their testimony, you can, with traditional investigative techniques, you know, kind of narrow it back down to what they actually saw, because um, there are ways to talk with people and question them where you're keeping them, um, you're, you're keeping them on, as the man said in the TV series, just the facts. You're keeping them away from, or at least if you can't keep them away from it, you yourself know how to separate their conclusions from what the facts are, and um, it, especially with UFOs, you get, uh, for example, you know, somebody sees a strange, what they consider to be a strange, unfamiliar thing in the sky, and many times it's their assumption that it's an ET craft. You know, when you really break down to what they saw, well, it was these lights, it was moving in this way, you know, um, they make the assumption that it was an ET craft. But actually what they saw were lights moving in a particular way. Sure. And given uh, the fact that there's like, you know, trillions of dollars being spent every year, there's, you know, every possibility that it could be some form of advanced technology that just hasn't made the, the New York Times exactly. yet. And, and, and some of it is, too, what, what they describe in their excitement, they, they might enhance what the thing actually did. So when you really get down to it and you question them in the right way, use these techniques, you can get, and you really get them to get a grip on their excitement and, and, and set their assumptions aside, what you finally learn that the thing they saw did wasn't so unusual or unbelievable as they, they pumped it up to be. Now, that's not in every case, but that's I'm just giving that as an example. But then when you get into... Some of the things like you and I have talked about, we both experience, and particularly the stuff I've experienced in the last two years. Um, there have been times where, gosh darn it, yeah, I should be walking around with a camera at all times. Um, uh, some stuff I've captured on my phone camera, uh, some things I have captured on uh, camera, like uh, one of the uh, interesting experiences with crows. Um, but uh, these things are just things that, some of it, you, you just... They defy that kind of logic. And, and coming from that, on the one hand, it's frustrating for me because, yeah, I would like to be able to, you know, just investigate it like a, a criminal investigator would. And there we go. I've got the facts and everything. However, having experienced these weird things since years before I got into this line of work, I kind of understand that. So it doesn't frustrate me that much. Another guy, it might. But um, with the same professional experience, it might. But um, for me, I, I'm used to it. I'm used to the weirdness. Um, and I like to throw out, too, that, uh, you know, when people want to say, oh, he's nuts, oh, he's this, that, or the other. You know, um, I started experiencing these weird things, as I said, years before I started working for uh, Uncle Sam and my profession. And believe me, you're put through psychological battery tests. They always make you take this test and that test. And, you know, I, I've done more than one because I've worked for more than one employer. And, you know, I've passed every one of them with flying colors. So, <laughs> you know, as, as far as uh, they're concerned, I'm sane. So, therefore, we got to say, wow, he's having these experiences. And he's certainly sane enough to get these jobs where there's a lot of trust put in him, you know, um, with classified, with weapons. 
you know, what is going on here? You know? And that's the what is going on here. Oh gosh, that's the thing that I just feel like I bashed my head against the wall, like, you know, trying to trying to solve it. It's become I'm much more peaceful with it lately. Mm-hmm. Um there was a chapter as I started looking into this, it was very tense for me. There was a lot of anxiety surrounding it. Um, there still is, but much less than, than what I was dealing with just a, a few years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so many of these things were memories from years ago that uh, oh, just never quite went away. And then at the actual act of looking directly at them, you know, opened up a, you know, floodgates, can of worms, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use. Well, you you know you uh, you begin you become a believer in that old saying. When you look at it, it looks back. Yes, and that actually is something that I almost wanted to say is that you know, like like it not only does it look back, I it almost it introduces I almost want to say itself. It, 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 it starts playing. Yes, it walks up to you and it introduces itself, and it it sets up. Uh, sometimes it can just set up camp. In your your realm, <laughs> and it introduces itself, to, you know, like whatever people. There's all kinds of niceties the way you're supposed to introduce yourself, but this is sort of like being, you know, like Harpo Marx, like walking up into a, at a party and introducing himself. Yeah, it's very. There's something extremely. And the only term I can use is playful, almost. I've had some dark experiences, yes. minimal, and then I've had some experiences that are so funny at the same yes. time. Yeah, it, um, it, it's 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 very interesting how um, you begin to I do anyway. Um, I I have a particular perception of these are some people see some of these things as forces, and we put personalities on them symbolically, you know, so that we can describe them. Um, for instance, there's some people that see the ancient gods as well. These are um, uh, person, you know, human personalities we put to describe the the nature. When actually, it's just a force of nature. And I disagree. In my experience, um, I believe these entities are indeed conscious entities with personalities. I think that's what the various pantheons of the gods were um, and are. Uh, take, for instance, the Greek gods or the Hindu gods or whatever. These are actual conscious entities with personalities, the same as you and I, you know, have. And uh, I, I don't, in my experience, I just, um, at least right now and up until now, um, to me, they are, they're consciously there. It, it's not just some nice label or face we put on the wind or you know some other you know magnetism or something those are separate things themselves that um you know that those are those are separate realities unto themselves but these are i believe in their um for instance i have said that i'm an athenist i believe that athena for example and why keep oh, i just have to define athenist What's that? You have to define that. I'm just writing that down here. Oh, that's uh, um, it. It means I I believe Athena, the Greek goddess Athena, um, exists consciously as an entity, a conscious entity, and um, I yeah I feel her presence, and I I I, I kind of feel almost sheltered by her. And who is Athena? I'm just I'm just not up with my Athena. Yeah, Pallas Athena. She's one of the Greek uh, goddesses um, of, of wisdom, of, uh, of many things, and she's the one that um, she sprung forth directly from Zeus's head, um, uh, you know, for whatever that means. 
And um, what's interesting, if you read the Odyssey and the Iliad, she's the goddess who um, takes Odysseus under her wing. She's the only one when he's, you know, in torment. She's the only one on Olympus that tells the other guys, okay, look, quit having fun tormenting this guy. You know, stop ignoring him. He's a good man, blah, 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 so forth. And she's the only one that goes down and helps him, um, you know, try to get home from the Trojan War and through all his trials and travails and Poseidon's all pissed off at him, and, and she's the only one who um, takes pity and mercy on him. And she'll come down and interact in his life, and she'll appear, you know, Athena Bright Eyes, is, is, he, he knows it's her appearing in various guises um, as people in his life uh, by her eyes. And um, I happen at this point in my life, I, I believe that Athena, I believe she's a real entity. I believe all the gods are um, actual real entities that exist. They're very real. I, I believe in what we call God or, you know, almighty God. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and I get it, it raises chuckles in some of my friends who feel they are enlightened to no longer believe in such things. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, OK, whatever. I, I kind of laugh along with them. But, uh, you know, my experiences are mine and <laughs> I know why I believe these things. And, um, you know, I will go on until I see it proven otherwise, not by what somebody says or what somebody writes in a book. It has to be proven on another level for me, another plane, and uh, it, it, it quite the opposite has been continually proven to me. Uh, what, what I believe has been proven to me, you know, much more often than, you know, what someone who doesn't agree with my position has explained in a uh, commentary. It's interesting because I, I um. Oh, you know, I just get if I try to be super literal, I get stuck. It's like it's like trying to, um, you know, mm -hmm. like push the plow through rocks. You know, uh, I just I, but if I if I take things metaphorically, if I look at things as mythology, which I do to a fault sometimes, probably, um, mm -hmm. then I find that the that the that the progression forward, you know, my my. Oh, you know, as I as I as I follow this, these threads, wherever they're leading, you know, my if when looking at this stuff metaphorically, I find I'm much more capable of drinking the stuff in and letting it wash over me and, and like reaping the benefits of these. I mean, for instance, I can't know whether you actually have, you know, had any sort of interactions with Athena. I had to actually ask who Athena was to just now, but yeah. um, metaphorically, like, wow, that's like, you know, right on. That's a, that's a really healthy way to, you know, to be to have your place in the universe. You know, that seems like as nice a way to look at the world as any. Um, but uh, and then, so I've one of the things I've been doing is, oh, I can't. This is so funny. Just hearing my own words come out of my mouth, I never would have said that. You know, five years ago. And mm -hmm. then, uh, and and uh, I've been to a handful of UFO conferences, and I think we actually met in person at one. You were with Greg Bishop in Laughlin. This might be oh, going back. This might be going that, back two or three uh, years. Was that 07 or 08? I was there both years. Excuse me, I was there 08. I wasn't there 07. I was there 08. Okay, yeah, 08. I, I actually I had to go over and to uh, to see specifically to see Joseph Farrell. To discuss. that was the year. Yeah, he was. I was. I I chatted with him a little bit that year. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, so I we did actually meet. We have actually met in person. I, I was okay. probably acting very nervous when I said that uh, <laughs> there oh. was a chapter of my life when I was anxious. That was the chapter. So uh, oh, the person okay. you met would have been very uh, you know preoccupied and and just you know distracted oh. and nervous and. 
I was going through some very strange things, and like I said, that's what I, I, I kind of made the trek over there to, to speak with Joseph Farrell on a personal level about some of these things because he's very knowledgeable about uh, more than than what he writes. And um, I, I'll just say that I I made a believer of him in what I was investigating. Um, I, I, I he you know I shared uh, certain details with him. And he he understood. Wow. Okay, you're on to something. Um, and uh, I won't go any further than that on the personal conversation I had with him. But um, yeah, so I was there, and uh, uh, Chris O'Brien was there. Yep, I met him. I met him that year too. I have a signed book from him. Yeah, they were working on. They they were doing um, a documentary, which they they interviewed me in. They interviewed Joseph, and I think they talked with Greg. I haven't seen it. I don't know what they did with the footage. I, I you know, kind of like to, kind of like to see what they did with it. But uh, it was a, it was a it was a good time. I enjoyed that visit. Um, and uh, the year before I went, because an author I published was speaking. There, Sesheri. Which I haven't read his book. I I um, but I have heard him talk, and it sounds great. I love oh, the it. handprint of Atlas. Yeah, yeah. In the hand, let me tell you, the handprint of Atlas is a must-read for people interested in, um, you know, what we call the ley lines, and it's just got a lot of fascinating stuff in there. It's it's a must-read. Pressed here. So what I was going to say, as far as the mythology and the metaphor, I'm going to jump back uh-huh. a little bit. Um, right. You know, if I take things literally, I just get stuck. If I look at things metaphorically, like I can proceed forward. And uh, and and one of the things that's I've made a big effort to do is to be as open-minded as I can possibly be as I as I go down these these uh, paths, and um, and some of the folks I've interviewed on this podcast uh, are people that I would have uh, you know, and I even talk about it with them, you know, like they're uh, in the nuts and bolts crowd, they would probably be dismissed as kind of flighty, um, mm. and uh, but at the same time I just feel like no, there's something here, there's something going on, and I whether they're you know, people who talk about the Pleiadians and the Arcturians and the and the star seed, you know, I don't know. I mean, like if we took us got on a spaceship and went to the Pleiades, would we find a planet with you know tall Nordic blonde people living it? I don't know, you know, but um, that doesn't mean that their vocabulary word of the Pleiadians can't be uh, looked at metaphorically as as uh, as something else. You know, I I I can't dwell on on you know whether they're you know these claims are literal truth, but I try to look at it in the context of of, uh, of you know where it fits in the big 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 picture and where I see patterns. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It, I, you know, I think you know you mentioned that uh, if, if we were to go to the, the the Pleiades or anywhere in space, I I have a hunch that the the big secret about the aliens is that actually what we'd find mostly are humans exactly like us. In, in other words, I, I don't think we um, here on Earth, us humans on Earth, that um, being a human exactly like us is so unique to Earth and the conditions that made Earth habitable. I, I think that there's human beings exactly like us on all these worlds. And I think that's I, – I, my hunch is, my guess is for some reason that I think that's what we'll find. I mean, I mean, it, they, you know, we we can interbreed, we can communicate, we because they are human beings, just like we are. And that, and to, um, in order to go down that road, you have to like, you know, you can stretch way back into ancient history and like, you know, with the Eric von Daniken stuff and and mm-hmm. the, um, oh, you know, the giants from the Bible that you know seem to have like uh, 
interbred with you know our women you know all this exactly. stuff is you know is is like in our folklore yeah and uh and and then the things that do actually get out of the ufos you know are in essence us you know why aren't we seeing like amorphic blobs of gas why aren't like funny jellyfish coming out why are they our size why aren't they like you know microbial or why aren't they you know like 100 miles across you know all these all these questions yeah. are or have lobster heads or yeah, something or like it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah it, it, what, what's interesting is that actually, you know, and, and people are seeing beings that aren't exactly like us. And, sure, and, and they are seeing lobsters and stuff like that too. I do have. Yeah. A... I argue, what if what if they're interdimensional? Now, now see, uh, what's interesting is, as a kid, I was really interested in UFOs, and for many years after that. But now, honestly, that's the least interesting in all the world of weirdness to me. It's funny. I, a friend of mine I is... could give a hoot about UFOs and aliens right now. It's interesting. And I'm I, I'm like want to know how they're interacting. It's just so like I could I'm so like disappointed that like they're pointing giant like listening telescopes into space. And it's like mm-hmm. well like what the what's up with that? You know go talk to go sit in a UFO abductee support group. You know if you really want to find like if you really want to get some interesting information that that'll that'll stump the scientists and oh yeah. but we can't we can't take testimony from people who aren't pedigreed now, Mike. Come on. I, I know, and that's the thing that I'm like been trying to be as open minded as I can, and that's to me where the fun is. I mean that's to me where like the that's the that's like the emerging mythology is right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, oh anyway, I interrupted you. Keep going. Oh no, that's that's. Uh, uh, it, I was just saying that um, you know the whole thing with uh, the more time has gone on and the more experiences I've had, the less interesting UFOs and the whole ET hypothesis um, means to me or is interesting. Um, t- to me, it's it's I it it's it's really it, it's it's a big change because a long time ago you know i i ate it up i i wanted to talk about it and hear about it and learn about it and hear other people talk about it and read books and now i i just it, it it's so dis in, disinterested me now that most of the time i i just kind of walk away from it or shy away from the conversation and i don't know if that's just because nothing really significant um, that uh, hasn't been proven to be a bunch of nonsense made up by somebody has been presented in recent years, or, or some people would say in several years. It's it's stagnated. It's truly it's truly stagnated, and um, it's just not interesting to me anymore. I'd rather to, to me, um, wow, the idea of other dimensions, the idea of time travel, the idea of uh, you, you know these these entities that we would call strange that you know live in these other dimensions. Um, to me, the 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 Lovecraftian world and nature of uh, the strange reality is much more interesting than ET. It it I, you know I think now if I were to have a UFO experience, you know, a flying saucer were to fly up to the house and the aliens get out, I'd almost say, oh, "Okay, that's nice." You know, but you know, realistically, I I would be fascinated, I would be amazed, and I'd say, "Hey, take me with you. I, I want to go see the world you come from." But it wouldn't be the big uh, Richard Dreyfus close encounters moment. That it would be for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that they really, when you think about it, that's what they want to have. They want to have that Roy Neary at the end of Close Encounters experience. For them, that's what it is. It's this oh angels thing. You know, they come out in a ship of light and it's peace and love and giggles and children and la di da. And um, I don't believe that for a minute. Um, I, I am not one of those who believes in the they are. Um, our peaceful space brothers who, of course, are more advanced than we are sociologically because they have advanced technology. 
uh, hello, um, most of our advanced technology um, has been the result uh, half the time of uh, it, it advancing war technology. More than half the time, I think. Like, yeah, in in the 90% nice. of the time. I mean, you know, and, everything and course, I have on my, yeah, like my computer on my, that we're talking yeah. through right now, like, you know, came from, from you know, uh, the Pentagon, so... Yeah, and 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 it's it's what's interesting, and then of course they come back and they go, "We'll see." That's what makes us. Uh, I am not a human apologist, and I'll be honest with you, it kind of grates on my nerves when I hear these people, you know, talk about how rotten and no good and base and primal and and just how you know human beings we're just the dregs of the universe. And there's all these loving and genius and peaceful civilizations filling the universe and. You know, we're the dung pile. I, I just, I don't know whether to laugh or scream at that. I think it's nonsense. And I think uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm extremely challenged by that. And one of the things I've made an effort to do is like just basically go there and sit with these folks and really listen to their stories. And, um, and these, many of these folks that tell these stories, you know, uh-huh. like I've sat in the UFO support groups, uh, and, and there's a, you know, these people who claim the contact phenomena. There's, it's about sixty forty people who say. Uh, there, 60% there are loving space brothers, just like you said, um, you know, the doughy-eyed believers. And then about 40% of the people say they are, you know, evil, malevolent doctors and, 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 uh, and it could be, it's, it's both. It's and both I agree. It's both. Small. It's, it's both. It's a, and it's a blending. It's a mixture. And I don't understand, you know, where our own, you know, uh, Leo Sprinkle is very articulate at saying, you know, like we're, it's, you know, we're receiving we're, we're what we're projecting in some, some way. And, um, uh, which I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's a nice way to look at it. Uh, it's it's got a tidy sort of thought process to that. Um, but uh, but that's actually one of the things I've been trying to do is to like really go there with these folks and and because because the people who are having these experiences, I think they're having real UFO experiences. Sure, right? and, sure. and they they are coming away with this with this other. Uh, <sighs> You know, with this with this experience that which you just said, you don't know whether to scream or to to run away. Yeah. Well, and and what if it's a Trojan horse? I exactly. Mean, that has to be considered. What if it's what if it's you know uh, kind of a little drug to get get us all starry eyed and and before the uh, you know the, the the boot comes down. You There's know, a, that great scene in the in in uh, uh, Independence Day where like you know the the giant. Uh, glowing UFO hovers above the building and all these people are, and there's this like beautiful scene of the camera looking straight down on this like, you know, sort of blonde haired woman. And she's like mouthing the word, I love you. And then boom, yeah. the whole thing explodes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just, <laughs> that, that for me was one of the best moments of that movie was to watch that uh, Aquarian age, true believer get zapped by reality. And I know there's going to be, whether it's real, I don't know if it's reality or not, but it's, oh, <laughs> Walter Bosley, that jerk. I don't like him. I don't want to hear him anymore, but it, you know, uh, and I and so anyway, I, I actually have a soft spot for those Aquarian folks, and 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 I'm mostly to um I would be ashamed of myself if I didn't sit down and really listen and really pay attention to what they're oh, saying. Well, I, I probably actually, I, I mean, I I admit I I pro- I relate to them more than I do, you know, the the hardcore uh, you know people that aren't that way. But I I, I kind of like to you know where where to me everybody has their their BS flags, and you know we all raise them, and and for me you know my 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 friends that are the Aquarian true believer types, you know, I kind of like to say, okay, come on, people, bring it down to earth. Um, for as many peaceful space brothers as there are out there spreading the message of love, there's bound to be the Klingons, okay? There's bound to be, 
you know, the the invader types. Um, it, it, it's just it's just the nature of reality. Um, interesting choice of words there, the nature of reality, and listen to what we're talking about. Yeah, this is stuff I move on like this. It's all is is. Uh, I mean, this is all purely in the form of speculation, and we can't. And there's nothing else but speculation that we can really do because there's very few. Uh, you know, like this is very difficult to test in a scientific process. I mean, it's obviously can be. If you wanted to throw a trillion dollars at it, we could come up with some pretty good. answers. Uh, I think it would still. I think all this stuff, and and that brings us back to. You know the evasive nature. As soon as you find a a device to measure it, the the entities, the phenomena itself, whatever it is, they're they're going to manifest themselves in a way beyond your measurement, and they do it consciously. And there's a purpose for that because here's the deal: we need for everything we can measure, for all the amazing technological things we can do, and and we can do some amazing things. And and I like to say it. We're an amazing creature. I like to be positive on us. We're pretty darn amazing. We do some pretty cool things, and I'm not going to beat us up. There's enough people out there that just want to beat okay, up. Okay, yeah, on just us. just music alone is just you know, it, like, it's proof yeah, of the divine you know, to me. So well, yeah, keep going. Well, and even even with technology and stuff, we do some amazing things. But for all of that that we can do, where we can measure and get a grasp, it is an essential need in the uh, human psyche to have that which we can't measure, to have that which we have to just say, I'm going to accept it whether I can explain it or measure it. And I see it in terms of, you know how they say your your reach should exceed your grasp. Well, I believe that that applies not in, just in physical, practical things, but it applies in what we're talking about. Our, our, our reach, of our, our understanding, our experience um, of... Uh, reality, the full spectrum of reality, should exceed what we can put our hands on and put our words to. And I, I think they know this. These entities and this phenomena we're dealing with, they know this. They know this is essential. And I almost want to say that, like, that they're more than just knowing that maybe their very purpose is just to be at the periphery of our, um, you know, just to just to to make sure that they are. Interacting with us in a way that that uh, you know this, I don't know how to say this like so we're not too too big for our own bridges in a way I mean like the crop circle phenomena is a is a, is like what is going on there what is the message and the message to me may it may only mean that um, you know we are being confronted with something that is just beyond our uh, definition of reality and what's acceptable well. and and it's doing that in a way in order to um, to nudge us. Along some some predetermined path, or or point us in some direction, or just to like shake us up. There's some. Um, <clears throat> oh, and Whitley Strieber loves to quote this thing, and I'm, I would be I'm going to do a paraphrase because I can't remember what it was. Just some scientific study where they sat people down and had them read a, 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 a Franz Kafka short story, and then they did testing before and after this, just little cognitive tests, and they found that after being confronted with the absurd uh, and something that wouldn't fit. Um, that that people were had elevated abilities to deal with with uh, problem solving, mm-hmm. and, well, may, and, it, and that may be collectively I, what's happening to us. I think what goes back though, you made a comment about you know maybe just as we're getting too big for our britches. I would say, wait a minute, look on the contrary uh, view of that. Maybe maybe they're helping us get big enough for our britches. Maybe, um, you know, we will take care, we tend, let me put it this way, let me phrase it this way, we tend 
to have mechanisms, social mechanisms in place and psychological mechanisms in place where generally, as a collective on the whole, we take care of the humility part because there's never a shortage of supply of people, you know, that are ready to cut you down. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, well, and, they're on, and they're on website people, forums. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, well, yeah there you go. And, and uh, also, most people you know, have inherently within them something that says, oh, gosh, you know, I, I need to be a little humble here. Or, or we respond when things pop up and other people say, hey, you need to have a little humility there. So so I think we've got that built in. It's, it's part of our psyche. It's part of our makeup. It's part of our sociology. But I think these entities and this phenomena, their job is to get us to, to feel bigger than ourselves, to, to get us to you know, uh, uh, fill the britches that have been given us. I, I, I kind of think it's almost just the opposite of to to humble us. No, no, no. It's well, kinda... maybe to humble to humble the uh, the, uh, the the credentialed PhDs that are that that seem to define reality in a way that I do not define it. I I I think it's yeah that might be a part of it as as kind of a side side products sure uh, sure and um, I actually I think these things are just are. And they they certainly know and they observe and they're probably amused at the uh, the, the resultant uh, humility that comes with it on our level. But I think their whole attitude is is and this is a hunch, this is a guess, is to just here we're gonna expose this to you, you to this. We're gonna throw this in your path. How you react to it and how each one of you react to it. Well, that's what's going on within you. Um, but our goal is to just expose you to this so that then you move forward and outward and onward and upward and, um, you know, realize uh, what our true, you know, destiny may be, that we are amazing. And, um, you, know, you know, we will take care, as a society of humans, we will take care of the humility part because, as I said, there's always, you know, somebody there to bring you back down to earth to remind you that, you know, you're not a god, um, so to speak. But it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, it's subtly fascinating. And, 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 I, and I agree that the um, oh, the nature of it just seems to, um, oh, as soon as you, you know, like if we grasped something, if we actually managed to, you know, decipher like an implant, you know, like I'm sure something like some other phenomena would, would – uh, well up, you know, in some mysterious place. You talked about um, Close Encounters, you know, in the, in the sort of angel moment when, when uh, you know, the uh, John Williams music, you know, comes up and, and Richard Dreyfus, you know, meets the, the little Casper the Friendly Ghosts, you know, that walk yeah, out of the, right. the big mothership there. Um, you know, I keep on going back to, you know, I just think that is such a simplistic movie, as is Independence Day, as is The Day the Earth Stood Still. These are these. Are it's a great movie. movie. I, I loved Close Encounters. Are you kidding? It was profound impact. Uh, you know, it's. it's oh, you were the, you were the perfect age. You were, you and I are pretty close in the same age. And, and yeah, um, yeah. So it's the movie that made me consciously. I was like, I want to do what this Spielberg guy does. It's the movie that made me want to be a movie. <laughs> You know, and, uh, yeah, and I have the same. Jaws was that movie for me. Yeah, so. the, the content itself was, you know, of course, very pertinent to my interests in in such. Um, but uh, you're right; it's a very, you know, and, and that's why it works because it is, you know, a simple view. And then, and then I'm going to, but and then 2001 is a very complex view. Yeah, it's very open ended, very, uh, you know, more like, realistic. Yeah, and and it just, I just think that if if I don't. I can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's all this, you know, this 
that you just there's this it's not even murmurings anymore it's people are out and out saying this you know with this grand threshold is going to take place and we're going to we're going to you know transcend and jump into a higher evolutionary state you know soon enough you know my credit card uh needs to be uh you know it's, it's expiration date is 2012 and and uh so it's it's getting close but i still don't know or, what that what that actually means um, or maybe not Exactly, or it just, just might go on being, you know, human beings and civilizations, and you know, we we don't know. Oh, if something does unfold, I think it will be very complicated. <laughs> I don't think it'll be just almost you know, almost so complicated that the masses don't get that anything happened at all. Perhaps potentially, you know, I just I just sense some. Uh, I do sense a level of acceleration in in anxiety among you know people who claim the direct contact experience, and I'm in contact with I talk, try to talk to a lot of them, and and then that's one of the things that that uh, this blog format has been really great is people contact me, and I love that, and and uh, instead of having um you know playing research researcher where where I would just, I, where I would get uh, pragmatic documentation from these people uh-huh. and try to make sense and try to quantify things I, you know instead i just have like a heart to heart with these people um which is great and i and i and i find it extremely rewarding and i and, and instead of a uh a big picture being formulated through proper research you know a fuzzy picture is being formulated through just collective um anecdotal conversations mm-hmm. and things and and i do here and I do sense a level, a heightened level of anxiety. You know, anxiety like it just feels like something is boiling just something behind the curtain. Going to happen. You know, it's so funny you'd mention that because I, I indeed was like that, and I was one of those. And I, and I've gone on in the past. I've been on, I think, like Greg's show and others talking about what I believe was going to happen in 2012. Now, um, I'm not saying I no longer think that that might happen but what's really weird is my anxiety level has diminished tremendously i i i'm no longer spun up about 2012 um it now my view is if what i think you know and what i've been told was going to happen happens my view is okay i'll just be somewhere and i'll survive it and uh you know life goes on it, it's really weird my anxiety level is now down to zero about 2012 and yet for some years, it was up there, and I don't know whether my anxiety level or the anxiety level that I that it's palpable is related to 2012. But that just seems to be a, a, like an easy catchphrase. Sure, sure. What? Well, but we have to remember the cautionary tale of Y2K. I know that was a different issue that the computers were all going to go to zero and stuff. But it, it was on a on a on a microcosm on a smaller level. It was very similar, you know, doom and gloom. This and then the stuff about the millennium. You know, and such, and uh, wow, you know, nothing that cataclysmic happened, except sociologically what 9-11 has done. To and I was world. going to jump in and say that. Keep going. Yeah, and what 9-11, which of course is very much at human hand, um, a manipulation, you know, at human hand, um, it, it's it's kind of interesting. So therefore... You know, they it's like someone took the Millennium Scare that had been going on and took advantage of it by making, you know, something happen. Now, when I say that, it could be the traditional story of the, you know, the, 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 the mad Arabs, uh, terrorists who uh, – um, I like to use the old 
Lovecraft term, the Mad Arab, you know, kind of thing. I'm I'm a, I'm a pulp writer, so you know, I like that kind of thing. Um, it, you know, just committing a terrorist act, and it could end there. Um, you know, and, and this is a whole subject for a complete other show. But you know, I'm one of those that, yeah, I think there's more levels to that. And um, oh yeah, and, and that to, to go down that that yeah, that would take. I mean, whatever we. You know, and 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 no, I'm not one of those that thinks George W. Bush did it. I personally, I'm one of those who thinks that's patently absurd. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. But I am open to um, some other theories of nefarious human uh, underhanded stuff. Yes. And whether you know, and where the nefarious stuff begins and ends, I can only I mean whatever. The, the, yeah. There's people who there's exactly. lots of books out there that people are making you know uh, good points, but the. Um, what has happened is that it has changed. Um, oh, it certainly was used to the advantage by the by, yes. the, by the power structures. You know, to, oh, I mean, ab, just ab, something ab, as silly as, as the fact that like why you know like I, I don't know what, what like every single person that gets on and off an airplane is taking their shoes off. Well, it's it's here, here's the thing. Here's what I think. I think uh, various entities were used by another group that had an agenda and what they did was they worked their agenda um, undercover so to speak through other entities in other words they, they they managed to influence this terrorist group to do what they did only the terrorist group didn't know entirely what they were involved in um, they influenced maybe um, some elements some things to be done out of the ordinary say in the security structure and, and and they did it in a way that looked like you know oh of course not these are this is why this decision was made this this is this is a very practical reason why these things happen blah 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 but yet they they didn't realize the people in the apparatus didn't realize that somewhere there had been a manipulation you know that would you know, lead to that very uh, the result that appeared to be mundane, and that's where I think um, the truth lies in 9/11. It's a very Machiavellian thing, and um, I, I don't want to go into you know some of the things that I that, that get my attention, some of the theories I've heard. Um, but uh, it, it, here's the deal: whether you believe in any of this or not, what you know. Um, I do, I do just sense. My gut tells me that there's absolutely more than meets the eye. With yeah, yeah. That just the smell test. I mean, is the only way I can define it. Something smells bad in the whole thing. So. Yeah, there, there you go. So anyway, that I, I meandered on a long thing. That's there, okay. So. I'm, I had no very little agenda when I gave you a call. So, so the, I'm all for, um, for the meandering. Hey, um. What's you say you have? Uh, excuse me, crow experiences? Experience with yes, these crows? What's yes. up with your crow? Story? I want to hear some crow stories, and I can. I, yeah, I have, you tell I have, me what's up with them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This uh, is. I, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll have. I have owl experiences. So. You know, I guess one of these days, you know, maybe I should write down a journal. Just go in and write. Go back and reconstruct the the journal of uh, days um, of the last. Uh, it's going on three years. Um, of the, all these strange things, and, and this includes the crows. Oh, so, so which, what's the date? Give me the date when things started. Well, in the spring of 2007, 
I had a man contact me who a friend of his had heard me on a radio show, and we had a really the first time we ever met. We had a very lengthy telephone conversation, and, and in the conversation, he uh, had asked me if I, you know, ever did or learned how to do remote viewing. And I said, no, I've heard of it, of course, and actually that's another whole story, but I was told about remote viewing back in 1986 by my mentor, not using that term, but he described it and he told me that someday I'd be trained in how to do that. And he told me what it was, and of course that was all fascinating. And then um, I first learned, as everyone else did, about remote viewing when it became public in the 90s. And um, But I never actually... You know, took the time, or no one pulled me aside and taught it to me. So, anyway, we're we're in the spring of 2007, and this guy contacts me, and the, the conversation culminates with he's going to send me the the discs, and um, uh, so I said, yeah, sure. So he sent them to me, and I I was going through some things in my personal life, and I just couldn't focus on it. You know, one of them was the uh, relationship going bad. And uh, the other one was my father was attacked in his home, beaten severely in his home um, just a few months later in uh, June, June or July of uh, – weird that I can't remember exactly what month um, – of uh, 2007. And uh, just a lot of trauma going on in my personal life. Well, after the, uh, the, the girlfriend left, we split up. Uh, my dad's in the hospital, and he eventually died, by the way, the following summer, and there's a whole murder trial going on. He was beaten by a guy who – well, the accused is a guy who used to work for him. And um, so I had a lot of trauma going on, but the girlfriend left, and finally what was interesting is um, my mind was, oddly enough, uh, suddenly clear enough to try this remote viewing thing, and I did. And I was absolutely amazed and astonished at the results I got. Um, I even tested it with some, you know, I tested it on my son. I had him pick the target and it was sealed up in an envelope and everything, and I nailed it. And he was like, whoa, Dad, how did you do that? I demonstrated it for, uh, I have two sisters, and um, older sisters, and uh, I tried it on one of them and demonstrated it. She picked the target and everything, and she was amazed that, you know, how how the hell did you do that? And even on the ex-girlfriend. You know, I mean, there's the most skeptical person in your life, you know, is a recent ex-girlfriend. And she was impressed, and I, I was amazed. Well, all that long story to tell you that <clears throat> this was in um, late summer of 2007. And once I started the remote viewing was when this recent, this last three years of amazing stuff began, overtly. Um, I... Uh, made some discoveries in the local area that um, led to the book that I've been working on for two years. But uh, The Crows, The Crows came, the first one came um, just a few days after I had made a trip to San Francisco uh, where I met up with Seshery, and he showed me some places involved in the research on the Disneyland book. And I had just I keep using the word extraordinary and amazing. I, I don't know any other words to use, but I had an incredible, there's one, um, experience on uh, ley lines that he pointed out to me that we went and visited in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, just amazing stuff, which again is a show within itself. Well, a few days after that, um, I had the first crow. Uh, I got a skylight in the house. 
and I'm sitting at the table, and I hear this tap, 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 and it's not the door. It's not the front door, and I hear it again, and I'm thinking, well, it sounds like it's on glass, and I turn around because the glass door's behind me, and there's nobody on the back porch. It's just really weird. Then I see a shadow moving up above, and I go, and I look on the skylight, and there's this big crow up there just banging its beak, and uh, as soon as I go and look at it, it looks at me, and then it's just walking around on the roof. And so I go outside, and uh, this crow is up there, and it's looking at me, and it comes walking down towards me on the roof. And then it hops off the roof, goes to the top of the tree, and it starts cawing. So, I, you know, I'm humorously, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, what, what do you want, crow? And it would caw. You know, so I would say something, and it would caw back at me, and it was hanging in the top of the tree, and it was looking at me, and I thought, oh, isn't this funny? You know, it's kind of strange, but funny. Well, um, the next day, I go over to a cemetery to do some research on my my uh, stuff I'm researching, and um, there's a crow there. And there's a crow, and it, 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 as I turn the corner and park, there's a crow sitting on a, a headstone right there where I've parked, and it jumps up and it flies across um, over to near the headstone I'm looking for. Really happened. Um, mm-hmm, don't have mm-hmm. to this is, okay, keep going. This is all. It sounds like I'm listening to myself, but keep going. Yeah, and 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 since then. Um, when I go to certain places involved in my research, very often, you know, a, a crow will turn up. Specifically, I have found something. I won't identify where it's at, but it's something that's painted on the ground. Um, I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is. It is in the nature of, well, it, it could be a mandala, it could be a medicine wheel, it, it's, it's in the nature of something like that, maybe Enochian magic. And... Um, the crows have appeared there. Uh, one time I stood in the center of this thing, I'm looking in a particular direction, and I close my eyes, and all of a sudden I hear a fluttering and I hear noise, and I look right above me are four crows. And they're all doing that thing that birds do where they just kind of they kind of hover over you. Four b- big black crows just hovering over me, looking down at me. And they stayed in the area right there, and, and I'd say, "Okay, crows, what's the deal? You know, tell me, show me." And they'd do their little calling at me in the circle above me, and um, they would, they, they're just kind of. It, it, I I didn't see them when I arrived, and it's not like I saw them coming from a distance. It was they suddenly just appeared, and those are just you know what I've told you. Those are just a few of the experiences I've had with the crows. You know, they come to my house. They sometimes they call, and uh, I go out there and I address them. Hey, crow, what's up? Now, here's what's interesting. Usually, they appear right before I have uh, an advancement in what I'm doing, or you know, um, a strange experience. Ha! Huh, this this is great. Keep going. And um, I have come to discuss. You know, the few friends I, that know all the details. There's only one other one other person who knows all the details of these experiences, and two people know some of it. Um, 
we have determined that, uh, for instance, a, the crow is often the symbol of alchemy. Now, as we know, alchemy it can be done in the physical sense, but also on the ethereal, the spiritual realm, okay? And um, the crow is often the symbol of alchemy, and my understanding is that's because at some point in any alchemical process, all the elements at some point, and it's different, it's a different place, a different point in each process, but in all alchemical operations, at some point, all the elements turn black, and what that signifies is, uh, you know, that, that the, the process is progressing. You are doing it right, that, that it's moving forward. So therefore, symbolically, the crows to me mean that I'm either, because they show up at certain times, I'm either on the right track and they're letting me know or they're pointing something out to me. And I'm telling you, in the situations where they've been pointing something out to me, when I go look, I find, and some people say, this phrase, you know, oh, of course, if you look, you're going to see something. <laughs> That's they're they're not getting what I'm saying. I'm not, you know, you know, if you if somebody says, hey, why don't you go check this, and you go and you indeed find something like a cold hard fact that is pertinent, does that make that fact not real because you were looking for it? I mean, for crying out loud. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I mean, it's... say, oh, if you if you look, you see, and I would argue to them, yes, you're damn right. If you look, you'd see. <laughs> you know, so that can be that can be said and applied two different ways. Um, and uh, so the crows, for me, you know, they've pointed things out. They've they've kind of let me know I'm on the right track. Um, you know, uh, they. It's been a very interesting experience. Now, some people are scared to death of them. They say, oh, my God, you know, when a dark bird comes, it's this evil, bad, rotten thing. And, um, you know, that hasn't been my experience. And, um, I, you know, it's, but those are just some of the experiences that I had, I've had with crows. You know, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm not going to go into all the tiny details. That would take forever, first of all. But um, they started coming, and they come to this day. I mean, so for the last three years, the crows, they come. Huh. Uh, this is. Have you heard of a, of a, of a, uh, he's a PhD named Gibbs Williams. He just, he's just wrote a book on oh. synchronicity. He wrote a book on synchronicity. It's kind of a, um, academic and, um, and he, or it's not kind of academic. He's, he wrote it in a very academic, uh, framework. Uh, he, what was the term he would use? Um, I called him a young Ian, and he, he he said, "No, no, I'm a lapsed young Ian." Um, so he studied synchronicity for mm. 35, 40 years with his patients, and he had his patients. One of the things he would have his patients do was keep very detailed journals, and then he would review those journals, and uh, um, the synchronicities, and I'm going to be paraphrasing from him, had a distinct pattern where the people were. Really? The people were searching, uh, filled with anxiety, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, and um, looking and desperate on some level. The synchronicity occurred after these people had been looking and almost making a declaration, you know, like, you know, like I need to, you know, achieve this next level. I'm uh, The synchronicity would occur. There would be almost a crescendo in their life experiences, and they would step to that next level. Um, yes. In essence, because of the synchronicity, and and, the, and it sounds like those crows are almost performing 
the role of a synchronistic experience, well, given, now, given his he, given his pattern and his his definition. Was he saying then that it's not a real thing, or he was just a, a, a cord, he was uh, correlating that it's interesting that the phenomena of synchronicity, whatever causes it, indeed coincides with some type of personal advancement. His hypothesis, his conclusion, is that these synchronicities are somehow self-generated. They appear like magic, but they are self-generated, in, in essence calling the crows to do their magic. Um, and I won't go beyond that, because I would, be, I would do a poor but job of, of retelling And, and here's where I would go beyond that. I would say, but to me, the crows are coming. The crows are there. They yeah. are real. And it's so is the, synchron- the synchronicities are very real. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. So now, but does he imply in his theory, his hypothesis, that in his opinion, it's not real. It's just something we... Oh, no, no. He implies that there is a very real phenomenon taking place. Ah, yeah. okay. And, and, it's, and, and, and he's looking at it from a slightly different than Jungian's, a Jungian point of view, where it's less a collective consciousness, where it's, instead it's an individual consciousness that's, that's, that's bringing these. Um, ah, okay. It's very interesting because I, I interviewed him, and, and early on in the interview I just realized he, he, um, he didn't know much about me, and I knew only a little bit about him, and I had read some of his stuff, and I thought it was interesting. I called him up out of the blue. And then early on in the thing, he said, you know, I live in New York City, and I'm good friends with Bud Hopkins, and I was the guy who did – and he said I was yeah. the guy that was doing the psychiatric testing for the people that uh, were coming to see Bud Hopkins, basically alien abductees. And I would do the psychological testing on them to see if they were you know, healthy, mentally healthy or not. And, and his conclusion was, yeah, these people are totally sane. There's nothing – there's there's nothing – there's no aberrant psychology associated with the people that are claiming the abduction phenomena given the subset that he saw directly associated with, with Bud Hopkins. Hmm. So anyway, that was very interesting. I was like, "You're kidding! You're like, I, I didn't know that when I when I called this guy up." So, well, you know, one thing um, I remember years ago, you know, somebody was talking about their um, that they've got some Native American blood in their genealogy, and um, you know, they made the comment that they don't like to get they don't like to uh, explain or get too deep into their own medicine. They just like to use it and experience it, and I like that. I, I I would rather I would rather um, continue having the experiences and reaping the reward that I am that I am reaping. Indeed, um, to me that's more important than being able to clinically explain it to anybody. So I've crossed that threshold where, for the first time, I honestly am caring less and less to explain any of it to anybody and, and i'm leaning towards not even talking about it in a public form and and it's very interesting and i think that and, and this this blog and these audio interviews and i'm not kidding i'm not mincing words this is like this is totally selfish this is my therapy this is my yeah. you know like sure. I, I, i've actually gone to a therapist and said like oh here's what's going on in my life and she would kind of nod and say isn't that interesting hmm. and i was making no progress at all and then i, I feel right. like oh let's try like okay let's try this other track and i found that that the actual act of you know journaling and then and then putting it on Whatever I, I'm going to say for the whole world to see, but nobody really reads my blog, so um, there are, you know very few people do. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been this is a form of therapy for me, uh, and the in the way I see it is like you know like oh god if you know if 
you know, why have Guantanamo? Why can't you just give these, you know, these people, just give them a blog and, you know, you'll, they, they, you won't need to pull the cattle prods out at all because these guys will just gush right. with his, their deepest truths, which is in a way yeah. what's been going on with me. Whether I'm deluding myself or, or, or not, I'm not sure. And I go through all kinds of like, you know, you know, a lot of my writing is, is sort of like trying to make sense of my self-doubt. Oh, so, so I'm going to, uh, so my owls, did I talk about owls at all during the, the, um, show with, uh, with Greg? I don't recall. And I don't recall either. But so, so um, I'll tell you the first real dramatic one. Uh, I was uh, there was a young woman who lived in the town that I live in here, and her name is Christy. I camp all the time. I go out camping all the time, and I do these things where I just go out for one night. And I, there's a way you can look at the weather and just predict the weather and know whether it's going to rain or not, and you can just not take it to shelter. So, so I invited her out to go camping. We, you know, walking through the wilderness and just did the border of Grand Teton National Park, just as spectacular as any place on planet Earth can be. And this would have, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to go back, this would have been the late fall of 2006. Just, this this would have almost been my awakening experience, or tied into it. Uh, sitting on a rock, um, I was making dinner. There's a little camp stove that I have, and, and I, you know... I'm complete with him. We were having this conversation. The sun was setting. The conversation was one of those conversations where, where like it sort of transcended just normal conversation. And it got really deep, and it was right at this moment. I'm just like, oh my god, I am completely thunderstruck. This person is not the person that I thought she was. She is very smart and very deep. And right at that moment, three owls appeared. And they flew above us, and they landed near us, and they would land in the trees near us, and they would swoop down mm-hmm. above us. And this lasted until after the sun went down, and we both laid our sleeping bags out, um, just out under the stars, and we both found flat mm-hmm. spots. We weren't actually that close together, just the way the terrain was lumpy, so she was off some other, just, you know, within, we could talk to each other, but she wasn't that close. And these owls, even after we laid down, the owls would fly down and swoop over our faces. Uh, wow. And so the the the, uh, the 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 stars would blink out just for that you know and they're very silent. I don't know if you've seen owls up close, but they they have a right. um, they, their flight feathers are inner um, they're alternated just a flight feather with down. So they actually don't make any uh, much sound when they when they fly or they, it's right. very strange. And the next morning um, we had this uh, talk between. Christy and I, and it just went back and forth, and there was, and we actually talked about Disneyland, which is very, which is a funny little point. <laughs> she mm. was, she talked about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and like, and how they were closing Mr. Toad's Wild Ride down, and she was actually heartbroken, and and it was, you know, that was just one of the things that just, uh, so they're uh, gonna they're gonna close that down. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride has been closed for a few years, yeah. No, it couldn't have been. I I I've been to Disneyland in the last. Oh, in the last year. Oh, okay, man, I might be wrong. I might be totally wrong. And it was open. Great. Okay, then I'm wrong. I'm interjecting here just to fill you in. I checked, and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, if I have this right, is now closed in Walt Disney World, which is in Florida, not Disneyland in Anaheim. And uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is one of the few remaining attractions that has been in operation since the beginning of Disneyland in 1955. Uh, We can thank Wikipedia for that. Back to the interview. It uh, might have been closed for refurbishment. Okay, because there was a. She was talking about how she had heard that they were going to close it, and she was just heartbroken. So, um, uh, but then, in fact, uh, my last trip to Disneyland was uh, almost a year ago with Seshari uh, and his brothers. Oh my gosh, that must have been a delight, huh? It was. It was. 
So so uh, a week later, um, or less than a week later, like four days later, I, I call Christy up and I say, hey, let's go camping one more time. So we went out, and um, it was a little colder this trip, so uh, we had a little shelter set up, a simple tarp set up, and uh, it was evening was coldy and cold and windy, and, and I uh, I said, let's walk up to the top of that hill just as the sun's setting because the actual physical exercise of walking up will be nice and warm, then we can come back down, we'll come back down in the dark, and we can and the, we won't be as chilly. Um this would have been probably late September. And so we did that. We walked up and um, we got to the top of this hill as the sun was setting and three owls appeared four hmm. days later. And they did the same thing. They sat near us. They would stand near us. They would kind of look at us. They would they would fly above us. It was so freaking mystical. And, and yes. uh, so in the role that Christy has played, she smart and as well as kind of sassy and, and as well as kind of just like she's really good at you know like you know looking me in the eye and saying you know quit your goddamn whining and and do something <laughs> and um so you know whatever so it was basically her prodding to go down this path that mm-hmm. i'm on now so you know it was basically heart to hearts that i had with her and late night phone calls where i um you know, I'm at the point where I am now. So, and and since then, I've seen so many owls. I've talked with owl researchers. I live right near Yellowstone, and I've actually talked to wildlife biologists and right. told them these stories. It's like, is this normal? Does this happen to anyone else? And they're like, uh, no, that's not normal. And um, and I saw last summer, I saw five owls after having a very deep philosophical conversation with a, with a with a close friend of mine. We did something that I do not normally do. Mm-hmm. And we both did it, and I don't remember talking about it or saying, "Here's what we should do." We got back to the campsite just as dusk. I can't say that I've ever done before in that way. We both laid down on our backs and looked straight up at the sky, mm-hmm. and we hadn't been laying down on our backs for more than a few—I want to say seconds, but it was probably more than that. It was probably less than a few minutes. Um, and then five owls came out of the came out of the trees. And flew above us. And these are these are barred owls, which is a pretty big owl. It's not as big as a great gray owl, but it's it is a very large owl. And so these five great big owls flew above us for twenty minutes. Five of them. I haven't been okay. I'm I'm gonna look for the crows. That well, my crow experiences, they just come. Okay, they 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 come to me. I'm not out there looking for the crows. So it's not like now I see crows everywhere. I don't see them everywhere. I go days, weeks without seeing any. But it'll be when I'm when I'm researching certain things and I'm not thinking about okay, the crows are going to come. It's one of those things where I'm doing what I'm doing and oh, there's the crows. Wow, what a synchronicity. I don't And, and are they 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 they're performing, I don't want to say performing, but they're they're showing up in a way that's that's decidedly different than exactly. just Exactly. Yeah. They are making sure I know that they're there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, to me, the experiences are revealing things to me and showing things to me that are much more important, uh, becoming, uh, that are much more important than me sharing it with people, um, you know, in, in, in books or, or, or whatever in, in public forums. Um, and, you know, I think that probably goes against what we're used to, you know, um, in, Places like your show and other shows, you know, I sit in and in, in the books, you know, that certainly I have written. Um, I, I will say that the new book, there's a lot I experienced while writing it and researching it that's not in the book. And, and that's something I do want people to understand is that um, 
that uh, you know the the weirdness that I've experienced that is not in the book. What you're going to see is the result. What I discovered um, uh, as a result of the weird experiences. And here's what's most interesting: is the stuff in the book is backed up. Um, the facts we present are backed up by newspaper accounts, by by coroner's records, by you know we 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 back it up through you know academic means. Um, but what's interesting is we were led to it. A lot of it, some of it, enough of it. We were led to it by the weird stuff. Now I find that in itself to be the amazing part to me. Um, it, it's it's because of this these weird experiences, I've been led to a very practical result. Um, not the least of which is that as a criminal investigator, I believe I've discovered serial murders that went undetected as such. You know, and on a very practical level, I think that's important. You know, if there was some nut running around killing people, um, it kind of needs to be identified as such, because maybe then that will lead to identifying who the killer was. I mean, we theorize um, in the book based on what we found, but um, and this is what I'm talking about, the practical results that I'm getting from these experiences. I, I almost, I'm, I'm really close to saying I'm not going to talk about the experiences anymore. I'm just going to have them and reap the, uh, the benefit of the knowledge and in some cases wisdom that I get from having these experiences. That To me, that's what they're about. That's that's really what they're for. So in that sense, absolutely they're personal. You betcha. If you want them, go out and have your own. Is what I tell people. You know, don't don't live vicariously through what I tell you. And and another thing is, if you're going to live vicariously, then you know, if you're not out trying to learn this stuff yourself and experience it yourself, don't tear it down. Because until you go out there and um, you know, at least try to expose yourself to the stuff. You know, don't criticize something you couldn't possibly understand. You know, it's funny because I have been sharing the stuff, and and in a, and there's a few stories that I keep. I'm not going to talk about most of it. Just they're they're so weirdly personal, and they involve other people and people who've asked me not to give their um give their names and things. So I'm just you know, but I have had definitely there's some stuff that I just choose not to talk about for for reasons that I think everyone would understand. But um. Uh, I um I've been have do you, have do you ever like seek out the advice of psychics? Um, you know what? I haven't done that in a while because uh, here's what I found: I'm tough on psychics. Uh, that that's where, the, yeah, I'm I'm tough on psychics because my thing is if you're the real deal, you will tell me. And a lot of psychics they sit there and they do they, what they're doing is they're coaxing things out of you, and then what they tell you is so really innocuous and you know just you know so ridiculously uh, simple that you know th- that they're not the real deal. Now I have had a few that I you know I sit down in front of them and they start saying things that they could not possibly know, and so um, I will go back to them. And consult, but I have not done any consulting with psychics um, in the last, uh, certainly in the last probably my gosh, five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, except I've got one friend who she's psychic, and I had her take a look at um, you know some stuff, or or I consulted her 
on some stuff, and I'm still, you know, we're still processing the uh, the answer. But uh, to answer your question, basically, no. And um, what's interesting is I don't feel the need to. I don't feel compelled to. And it's interesting. I've actually, um, I, you know, I, bas- I said earlier that I was seeing a therapist, you know, trying to make sense of this stuff, and it wasn't very helpful. Uh, I mean, she was very nice and very, you know, very, listened very intently, but I was like, uh, like not making much progress. But I have, uh, um, so there are a few psychics that I've actually sought out, and 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 one of them, like we found each other under very synchronistic uh, circumstances. Her name is Anya, and I write a lot about her. And but so uh, uh, I had a series over the last couple of years. About a year and a half, I've done a series of psychic readings. Just basically, just you know, like oh, I just feel like I was, I just need mm-hmm. some clue on how to proceed forward. So, so I, I was seeking, and and the the the, uh, the folks that I interacted with, I thought were very impressive, and um, and exactly did the thing that where they didn't, I didn't feel like they were, they were, um, it wasn't a carnival act. There was something very real going on. But all of them independent, independently, and I have I have them recorded, so I may just put a little collection of their of their what they were saying you know one after another all of them said uh oh you're you're doing just what you're supposed to be doing you know this blog is exactly what you're you're, this writing that you're doing is exactly what you're supposed to be doing and the reason you're doing it is because people all over the world and i'm paraphrasing you know collectively three different psychics uh, is that um you will be helping People, because other people are having the same experiences you're having, and they're gonna they're gonna come to your writing and come to your, uh, and and then you will be able to give them a little peace and solace, and and I recognize how um, self-serving that is in a way, but it it, it rang true. It just like kind of like you know that actually is sort of what it feels like. It feels like I'm I'm performing this these uh, like the 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 way I started writing and the way I started this. This blog format came in a form of compulsion that's 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 hard to quantify. Uh, it didn't. It felt like it was. Uh, anyway, so it feels like I started this whole process in this weird, crazy flurry that was mm-hmm. based on anxiety and just you know like oh whatever you know when, like I just and then it's and it seems like it's gelled into something I'm kind of proud of lately. Uh, and uh, anyway, so, so um. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, except to say that uh, you said that you're you're choosing not to talk about this stuff, and I, on the other hand, am almost gushing with my with my personal stories in a way that that is that seems just as weird. Well, you know, and 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 here's what's interesting is it during during all the the years that I would you know want to talk about stuff, you know, legitimately I I would run into people that it was as if I had a piece of the puzzle they needed and they had a piece I needed, and that's what it served was that we each had pieces of this puzzle that the other needed. See, so so I, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I'm not there anymore. I used to be there, but now it's kind of weird. Now I'm kind of now I, I'm I'm just kind of you know wanting to be close to vest with it, and um, and you know it, it and it's not because you know uh, sometimes you spin people up and and you know they they throw some venom at you and stuff. That that that's not it. Um, because I've been you know Greg Bishop will tell you I've been real close to vest on what I've been doing. Um, for the last two years, uh, you know, so it, it wasn't just I threw something out there, a bunch of people didn't like it, so I got scared off. Oh, on the contrary, 
Um, you know, I, I've known it's really weird. This thing, this stuff I've been going through for two years, it's really weird. For the first time, I haven't been, I've been able to keep, you know, quiet about it because something tells me, you know, that I'm just not supposed to be all out there with it. Um, so I, I think it, uh, it's where you're at in your experiences. It's what your experiences are that you're having, you know, and, and, and you'll just know. And then I think also just you, you just implied that you're working from a gut level. Yeah. Yeah. As am I. It's just like if I was working from a from a, uh, oh, you know, from a from my head as opposed to you know like I would say like this is the stupidest thing in the world that I'm like sharing all this stuff. This is you know like because stuff first of all couldn't possibly exist if I if I wanted to like uh, you know go from a completely like a scientist influenced by our society i would say this stuff can't exist so so why should i proceed forward with this and then on another level it's like wow this stuff is so weird and so personal and so on some level embarrassing just to say this out loud that i shouldn't proceed either in that direction well so, I, you know i, I th- th- basically we we've, we've come back to there's something going on that's being done on a level that can't be measured with our practical tools and um, and that's on purpose because um, it uh, it's not for everybody at all times. It's only for those um, who, for whatever reason, um, it's their time. And some people say, oh, okay, that means you're saying you're special. No, I am not. I believe that every human being is capable of having these experiences. I just think, for the most part, most people are distracted by the, you know, the what they can see and touch and and everything else. You know, the, the more practical, mundane demands of life. And maybe we're supposed to be distracted by that stuff. You know, what I mean, that stuff is very sensual. That stuff can be very rewarding. You know. Oh, and, and, oh, yeah, and I'm not against it. Believe me, let me tell you something. You know, we talk about all these interesting, amazing things, and I'm just as happy. You know, when we finish this call. I'm, I'll be going back to you know trying to develop making a movie happen, mm-hmm. and gosh, how much you know money will I make? And uh, gee, this will be fun, you know, me making my little movie or or you know. Sure. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a bike ride on a beautiful day here once we get done with this. So. No, and it's just as valid. This experience is just as valid. The mundane is just as valid as anything else. It's just you know we're just stating you know as a matter of fact that. You know, it's the thing that distracts most people from really even being aware of some of these things that they could experience. But by no means am I special or you special or anyone who's had these experiences special in that regard just because maybe we're having them and and we're conscious of them as opposed to the person who's either not having them or they're happening but they're just not noticing it as such or they're choosing to ignore it or interpret it in a more mundane manner. Good. Good. This is um this has been going great. It's been it's getting on uh oh, 2 hours here. So this is just this is seems how these things have a sort of life of their own and they all seem to Sure. Um yeah, uh any final thoughts? Nice oh, uh no, hey, you know, um I I it's always uh, great to talk about aspects of this, um, especially, you know, synchronicity. And um, uh, it, it's all I can say is, you know, I'm still in the middle of it. I'm, I'm in the middle of a very strange ongoing experience. By no means is it over just because I've finished this one book. Um, it, it continues to go on. 
and um, you know, I it's nice to talk with uh, those who uh, kind of have a little bit more of an understanding, you know, because you know you've had your own experiences and such. But so I appreciate you having me on and you know getting into this stuff. Um, Good. And one of the things I want I made an effort to do is to not um, overlap with some of the stuff that you talked about with. Uh, Tim Benal or on the Paracast, and what I'll do is put an appropriate bunch of links where where people can uh, you know download the book and and then uh, okay. uh, you know some of the other appearances on the Radio Mysterioso and stuff um, because I think those are all those paint a pretty pretty this is a this is a big you're an interesting guy you're an interesting guy a lot's gone oh, on oh thank, so, um, thank you and uh, yeah and I just want to make sure that uh, you know people. Uh, don't just sit through and listen to the same the same thing twice. So I think we covered some stuff that was that was uh, I don't want to say a little more you know a little less pragmatic than ley lines you know cutting through uh, Disneyland. But um, you know that stuff I thought Tim Benal covered beautifully on his show. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know anytime you want to do this again, let me know and we'll go in you know even another direction. Good, good. May, there may be a day. There may be a day, and I'm and I uh, thing, and I want to thank okay. you. Um, re- I truly thank you for taking the time out to do this because uh, sure. because this is uh, as silly as it sounds. I think these kind of these kind of uh, insights and these kind of stories are important. I think that this stuff is really important for to have out there. Um, there's an amazing wealth of information that's, uh, and I just want to add to that pool of information. And uh, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll hopefully we'll get to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know. Chiming in at the end here, I feel like that was that went great. I am going to encourage anyone that made it this far to go ahead and listen to the audio interviews that um, Walter does, uh, particularly the one on Benal of America. I thought that was really thorough, as well as um, some of his work on uh, the Radio Mysterioso, where he plays co-host. And those are all linked on the uh, the, the page of my blog, where you where you got this interview from. If uh, anyone's made it this far, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.